This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. What does the Federal Reserve's announcement about how it's going to handle inflation mean for the real economy going forward? George Selgin directs the Cato Institute's Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. We talked about this Fed move and its implications last week. Right. So the announcement is that the Fed is going to be more tolerant of occasions when the inflation rate goes above its long-run target of 2%. This is this is a policy they call average inflation targeting. The idea is that over the very long run, nothing changes. The average rate of inflation will still be 2% if all goes well, of course. But uh, there will be more occasions when the inflation rate is allowed to go above 2%, A crisis time like the present would be an example of that sort of occasion. And uh, uh, presumably on other occasions, it'll have to be below 3%, otherwise you won't have the average. So there's more willingness to tolerate fluctuations of inflation around a long-run target with this policy. And just how that's supposed to help, of course, is a big question. But that's what has been announced today and what the Fed is hoping will, in fact, prove to be a a way of having a more effective monetary policy for combating crises. Given the current crisis and given the potential for any number of other crises to pop up, it seems that having um, a nominal interest rate as low as it is does sort of hem in this the central bank in terms of its uh, policy options. Is is that really what they're trying to fix here? Yes, it is indeed, uh, Caleb, exactly what they're trying to fix. What makes life complicated for the Fed these days is that uh, they have found themselves uh, on two occasions now uh, faced with crises where they needed to ease monetary policy But they found that having lowered the short-term interest rate, which is the usual uh, thing they do to ease monetary policy, all the way to zero or approximately to zero, that the policy doesn't seem easy enough. Now, in some countries, they have arrangements where they can actually have negative policy rates. We don't, and the Fed has no appetite for it, and neither do the American people. So if you throw that off the table, you've got a problem. You've got a Fed that's asking, is there something else we can do that will accomplish, uh, perhaps accomplish more effectively what some countries are trying to do with negative interest rates? And the the announcement today is about such a policy alternative. Tell me if I'm being uh, unreasonable here. Uh, It seems that uh, policy options for the Fed... um, However important they might be, they do not strike me on the surface as being immediately worth uh, pushing the theft that is inflation up. I'm going to push back uh, against that. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier uh, before we got on the air, so to speak, about how some Catoites, myself included, have argued that a, a little deflation wouldn't be a bad thing. But there are, and that's a, that's a, a, an argument I'm still prepared to defend any time. But there are also, by the same tokens, 
by the same token, occasions when a little inflation isn't a bad thing. And the best example of that is when you have what economists call an adverse supply shock. A war is a good example. The oil shock of the 70s was an example where some inflation was perhaps not a bad thing. Of course, we had more than we should have. Well, uh, this lockdown crisis is a major supply shock, among other things. And so a little inflation wouldn't be out of, uh, 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 wouldn't be out of place. The problem, of course, is that uh, we haven't seen a- any inflation despite uh, the uh, supply uh, changes that have been very real. Output has gone down. And the reason is that monetary policy isn't easy enough. So this is one of those occasions when you can make a case that there ought to be a little inflation, above average inflation. Again, it's all predicated on the assumption that you're, you're going to be symmetrical about this, right? You're going to also allow some deflation. Now, so far, that's consistent with what the Fed's average inflation targeting policy is all about. They, they will be stealing more from people, if you want to put it that way. Uh, uh, let's just, just let that uh, go for now. It's really probably not accurate when there's an adverse supply shock, because everybody is going to have less no matter what. But never mind. The point is, if that's so, then there are going to be occasions when they set the policy so that they're giving a little bit back or stealing less than usual or however you want to put it. So it's not as nasty as just making things worse for people all the time. It's making things different at some times than at others, and on average, the same. Are there rates of inflation at which we can say with confidence that the Fed is not in charge of uh, inflation and it will require a more substantial policy response. I know we're not really anywhere near uh, what that probably would be, but are there rates of inflation where we should be very concerned about something much worse? Well, of course, uh, in two senses, there might be situations where you have very high inflation. And in fact, it's consistent with the fact that you've had a very, very adverse supply change. Maybe you are having a war, and maybe you're having an even worse epidemic. In in that case, it wouldn't be the Fed that's to blame, but it would still be an awful situation. But what's awful then isn't the inflation itself. It's the underlying cause. It's really what's making everybody miserable. On the other hand, it's hard to imagine any adverse supply shock that would generate double-digit inflation. That would be exceedingly rare. So chances are, if we see inflation rates really get high, that the Fed probably is screwing up. But we can tell. We can look at uh, statistics for total spending that measure what's happening on the demand side of the economy. And we can see whether the problem is on that side by examining those statistics. So uh, it's not as if the Fed can pull a fast one and say, well, we have this new policy and the inflation rate can now go as high as, uh, as we like. And we'll just say that it's part of our policy. You, you can check and see whether it's really consistent with the rationale being offered for the policy, uh, whether the, the actual inflation is consistent with, with that rationale. Um, as a practical matter, uh, pushing inflation expectations up and being willing to push actual inflation up to get closer to that 2% annual 
Target. Average target. What does that average long oh, right target. average target? So what does that mean practically for spenders and savers? Well, and borrowers. I think uh, to answer that question, I have to uh, first answer a preliminary question, which a lot of people raise here, and so we might as well raise it as well. Uh, it's notorious, of course, that the the Fed has had trouble reaching its two percent inflation target. We've been persistently below that target especially since the recent crisis. So a lot of people say, well, what good does it do to announce that you might go above a target if you're, not all, you're already falling short of, right? Uh, uh, how, how can you do it? Turns out it's actually, uh, it actually can matter to announce a policy where you're willing to go above. And the, the way to understand that is people now are forming their long-term inflation expectations let's say not now, but two days ago, on the assumption that whatever else happens, once the inflation rate gets up to 2%, it's never going to go any higher. Now, if you compare that situation of that forward-looking perspective to one where now they say at some point, maybe it won't happen right away, but at some point, the Fed is going to be willing to see that inflation rate hit the 2% target and keep going above, well, just the possibility that that now can happen should raise inflationary expectations, other things equal. That means it's going to raise the equilibrium interest rate that's nest that we need to match to have a policy that's sufficiently uh, 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 compensatory or expansive. So the, the, the theory makes sense, despite a lot of intuition that would make one wonder if it really could work. Uh, not, that was all preliminary, Caleb. I'm sorry. I haven't asked how this is going to affect real people. Uh, but if it works the, fe- the way the Fed wants it to work, two things are going to happen. It's not just that prices may go up above 2%, uh, inflation may go up above 2% in, in the future. If that's all that happened, that would just make people worse off. The idea is that spending is going to rise, and that's going to be what pushes prices up. So Yes, some things may cost more, but our incomes are going to get back to where uh, the Fed thinks they should be and where they were before the crisis. So on the whole, we should actually be better off because more of us will be employed. There's more money floating around. Our incomes are higher. It's better to have a high income and pay a little more for things than to not have much income or be unemployed and, and, and be able to afford them if you only had some earnings. How much uh, is this policy aimed at uh, multiple things? That is, perhaps reducing the size of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. That's a very good question, and it's hard to answer because um, balance sheet policy isn't independent of this new announced target. So we have to distinguish the change in the Fed's target, what it's trying to achieve, which it's announced today, and changes in the instruments that it uses to achieve whatever target it has. And one of those instruments is, at at the zero lower bound, is going out and buying a lot of long-term securities. Uh, It's possible that in executing that policy, the Fed may actually ratchet up its long-term asset purchases. Uh, so it, you can't say for sure that this new policy will be a substitute. Now, even though that is possible, so 
if we announce, if the Fed's announcement today should raise the inflation, expected inflation rate by 2%, let's say it managed to do by one percentage point next week, that might mean the Fed doesn't have to do anything else. It's already getting out of the hole. But if that doesn't uh, do it alone, then continuing to expand the balance sheet may be a, another way of showing that it's serious about getting the inflation rate up. So they can be complementary policies or they can be substitute policies. You know, to the extent that the, the Federal Reserve is paying interest on reserves, which is a fairly new innovation, if you want to use that word in scare quotes uh, at the Fed, um, to what extent can pushing ec- inflation expectations up, uh, to what extent does that mean that they should fold up shop in terms of this policy innovation of paying interest on reserves and let banks get that money out there working? Well, it, it would make perfect sense for them to stop paying any interest on reserves. The goal is to uh, do as much as possible to ease monetary policy and thereby uh, meet their inflation targets or as the case may be, exceed those targets if that's what they want to do occasionally. Uh, but what what this boils down to is saying that even though the Fed claims it's doing all this new fancy stuff because it's already at the zero lower bound, it isn't quite at the zero lower bound as long as it's paying some interest on reserves. Uh, that is, it isn't as low as it can possibly, short rates aren't as low as they could possibly be. So logically, they should abandon that uh, interest on reserves at a time like the present. George Selgin directs the Cato Institute's Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.